Okay, 4.31. Apologies for those of you who have been waiting 60 seconds, um, but hey, maybe it created a little bit of drama, you never know. Welcome to um, Run Chat Live, episode 28. Um, I still can't believe it when I say those sort of numbers. It's amazing. It only started last year, but we've been doing one a week now um, in preparation for the uh, Run Chat Live running conference coming up in October in Brighton. Um, we've seen quite a few of the speakers now. Um, so the guest for today, um, oh, I couldn't afford him. He was just too expensive. He's just too famous and well-known to come over to England. No, not true at all. Um, I, I only had a certain budget, but this man should um, definitely have been on the list. Maybe next year we'll try and bring him over from Denver, Colorado. Um, it's none other um, than Jason Fitzgerald of strengthrunning.com. Um, those of you, hopefully therapists and runners um, who are into your running um, and understand the um, potential advantages, definitely advantages when it comes to performance of doing a strength training. Hopefully you've been to strengthrunning.com and you know it very well. So it'll be a pleasure to be able to speak to the man who, himself who created it. He'll be on in just a second um, and ask him about, it's all very well saying get strong, but how do we get strong? How many reps? How many sets? Do we do it every day? What sort of exercises? Uh, what are the best exercises and questions like that? So I'm hoping there'll be an awful lot of information in the next 50 minutes or so uh, for runners. Um, uh, and we'll do that in a second. First of all, just a word from our sponsors, or not a word from them, a word on my behalf. Um, those of you who aren't aware, um, we are now sponsored by Brighton Beard Company. Um, I wonder why. I don't know. So if you're looking at me at the moment, you're thinking, man, that beard's looking fine. Well, it's all thanks to Brighton Beard Company. Um, let's have a little flash of their website. Um, let's have a go. There we are. If you haven't been there already, if you don't have a beard, then this will seem a little bit kind of weird and unnecessary to you. But if you do have a beard and facial hair or moustache, then you'll know that you like your balms, you like your oils, uh, you like your brushes, you like your soaps, you like your conditioners, your shampoos. It all kind of makes sense to you. So especially if you're local to Brighton, but if not, they do do international and national. Then check out Brighton Beard Company um, and look at all the uh, wonderful, um, natural, organic um, good for you products they have got there and they're also sponsoring our conference on 30th 31st um, hopefully we'll get them down there for a stand as well so everyone coming in with a beard will smell great once the speakers take the stage uh, but anyway for now um, i'm going to bring up it's just on the conference there's all details on the website if you want to see speakers and the presentations just go to runchatlive.com um, it's all there but i don't want to waste any more time i'm going to bring up jason fitzgerald let's get rid of that Let's say hello to Jason in five seconds or so. There we go. Good afternoon. No, good morning to you, isn't it, Jason? Yes, good morning. How are you, Matt? I'm really good. I'm all the better for seeing you looking so, can I say, all so young and spiteful and full of energy and I don't know what it is. Something about the Denver air, is it, or... Well, thank you for saying that. The Denver air is a little thin. I'm surprised I don't look you know, tired and, and devoid of oxygen. <laughs> no, not at all. Yours look very, very well. Um, so thank you very much for joining us. What is it about? What time is it your end? Uh, it is 9.30 in the morning. So I'm sitting here with my coffee. I already told you I'm a little caffeinated and very excited to be here. Thanks for doing this later for you. This is almost dinner time in your end. Oh, well, it depends what in the north of England, we could say dinner because they say dinner for lunch. In the south of England, we don't say dinner. We say dinner for supper. Supper doesn't exist in the north. So it's a whole, you've opened up a whole can of worms there with terminology. Who knows what dinner is? I don't know. Us English, we, we, we get all weird when it comes to language. So it's 4.30 here. The kids are out. Sun's kind of shining. So it's fine. It's all happy days. So um, I did want you at the conference, by the way. It's just, what am I going to do? I feel guilty now having you here. Um, well, it was a little bit of a tease, you talking about the conference <laughs> right before I come on, only to hear how great it sounds and the great speakers and, and panels that you're going to have maybe next year. Maybe next I hope year. so, because one of the things that excites me as well, I mean, I've had the good fortune of, of meeting quite a few of the speakers, but the I, people like um, who I know you're aware of, like Christopher Johnson um, and then J.F. Escolier from Canada and Simon Bartow from Australia, they've never met each other in person. And yet they've kind of spoken or maybe been on opposite ends of a podcast, maybe for the last 10, 15 years. But the idea of actually having them all together in one room and, you know, you can imagine, let's say you do come next year and you meet some people who you've probably conferred with for years and years. But you actually get to shake their hand in the real world and go, ah, I recognize you. 
you're taller than I thought or shorter than I thought or whatever it's going to be. So yeah, yeah. I can make it. It'd be great. I mean, yeah, it'd be great. And, and yeah, I think, uh, everyone would be surprised to see that, that I'm the five foot seven, 130 pound runner that everyone's kind of been imagining. And, and then I would be able to get to see your beard in person, oh, which wow. would make the trip across the pond entirely <sighs> worth it. Oh, that's just flattery. That'll get you everywhere. That's amazing. But then you have to be five foot seven and weigh next to nothing to be a good runner, don't you? That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, it's a little helpful. Sure, sure. I, I kind of have the frame and, and size of a Dathan Ritzenhain, so uh, I consider myself in good company. Fantastic. Well, let's kick into it straight away then. Um, I mean, obviously, you have got the best sounding um, website name ever when it comes to strength training for runners because you've got strengthrunning.com. Um, and it's interesting reading a little bit about, I was never familiar with, I never realized that the reasons you set it up was because you were actually struggling with injury yourself. And it's almost like, wow, this worked for me. Let's look into it. Tell us a little bit about that for people who weren't aware. Yeah. So, I mean, I started running, uh, t about 21 years ago as a freshman in high school. And so I've been running for quite a long time, most of my adult life. And, you know, I got into marathons like many of us do a little bit later in life after college, after I was, you know, training for more uh, track oriented distances. And I found that the uh, the training was really hard and my body simply wasn't up to the task of of doing the training and then also racing 26.2 miles because um, I actually got hurt after my first marathon and I had this IT band injury for about six months. And I didn't barely, I barely ran a step and I spent most of the time on the couch feeling sorry for myself. I, I finally ended up seeing about four physical therapists trying to get to the root cause of why I kept getting hurt. And I'd always had this long history with injuries. You know, I've had, you know, the IT band syndrome, but also the plantar fasciitis, the Achilles tendinopathy. I've had problems with my SI joint, plenty of muscle strains, you know, everywhere. And I realized that if I wanted to run more marathons and to improve and to get better, then I really needed to restructure my training and to do things differently. And so that is kind of the genesis of strength running. I started it in uh, 2010. I really thought that what I learned after my big injury and, and how I changed my training, I felt like I had something to share with the running community. And at the time, there weren't nearly as many running blogs and websites, and, and there were barely any podcasts at all at that point. Um, and so I felt like I had this really unique perspective to share on running. And it was kind of born from my experience as a runner, and I was always just very interested in the training. You know, why are we doing this workout? Why are we doing this workout this week as opposed to maybe one week from now or two weeks ago? So I was definitely the guy asking my coach all kinds of annoying questions. I'm sure he loved me uh, on the team. <laughs> but, you know, it gave me a real appreciation for the exercise science that goes into designing, you know, a full training program and the training theory and, you know, all the rationales that you have when you're making these kinds of decisions. And so, you know, when I started the, the strengthrunning.com website in 2010, you know, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to share a lot of the lessons I had learned over the years and more specifically what I had learned with this big injury. And, you know, it's been great because since I've implemented kind of a new approach to my training, uh, me personally, I've only had about one relatively minor injury since that major injury back in 2009. And um, I think even more fulfilling, I've helped so many other runners either beat their injuries or go really long periods of time without injuries when they were previously pretty injury um, injury uh, at risk. So for me, it's very fulfilling. And uh, I'm just glad I've been able to help so many runners. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's I was chatting last week and, and previously just to you before we came on air with Greg Lehman about strength training. And it's and it's interesting because it's we, we have to be kind of evidence based, um, but it's so difficult to have quality evidence on runners in terms of injury prevention uh, performance. The evidence is pretty strong. Strength training um, can improve running performance, especially in a an older runner when we start losing that strength. And we know that the way that strength training can help um, increase um, the, the relative strength of running. But with injury prevention, it's really difficult. So we probably the question whether we ever have some quality studies which can show that strength training does improve 
or reduce the risk of injury, we may never have it because it's just so difficult to get that population size and to get um, all the specifics there. So we have to really turn to evidence like, I mean, you've got a fantastic evidence base in terms of numbers and your website and nine years now of looking after runners and giving them various forms of support. Um, so it does seem population size has got to be a link, hasn't there, between, between getting stronger and having less injury. I sure think so. And, you know, I think when we think about running injuries, we're really talking about repetitive stress injuries. And these injuries are the type of injury you get because, you know, you run, uh, you know, 15 kilometers a day and you're just going through the same motion over and over again. That's what a repetitive stress injury is. You know, it's not like, you know, you, you get your, your head knocked in American football or something like that. That's, that's a different kind of injury. And so what strength training does is it really gives you more armor. It gives you more protection from the impact of running. And so I think it's very helpful for injury prevention. You know, I think it's always helpful to think about coaching as part art, part science. You're never going to have all of the evidence behind you for every workout, every drill, every strength exercise. But I think that's the job of a coach is to look at their personal experiences, their professional experiences, what they intuitively know about the sport, and then use the evidence and the science and the research to make the best possible decisions for their athletes. And so, you know, while the evidence might be a little thin on strength training for injury prevention, um, you know, my personal and professional experience is that it's incredibly helpful because, you know, running injuries, you know, are, are, so prevalent among runners is, and that's because runners are really good at making training mistakes. We love running a little bit further than we're supposed to. We love going a little bit faster than we're supposed to. And we do all this before we're, we're ready for it. And so if we can reduce some of those training mistakes, we're going to reduce our injury risk. And so at the same time, if you are strength training regularly and your muscles are stronger and all your connective tissues are stronger, you might be able to get away with one or two more mistakes. But that doesn't mean that you aren't going to make any other mistakes that will leave you injured. And so we have to just, uh, you know, look at the, the training mistakes that runners make and recognize that, um, you know, we're really good at that. And, and I think that's just maybe goes to speak to the psychology of runners. You know, a lot of us are type A. A lot of us think that, you know, more mileage is good. If we want to race faster, we need to run faster and we need to constantly be taking the next step with our workouts and doing longer long runs. That's a recipe for injury because, you know, it's a recognition that the sport that we are participating in requires us to always do a little bit more and to go a little bit faster. And so strength training, I think, is almost like some insurance that allows us to push a little bit more. But because of us being runners and because we love pushing the envelope, we're probably still going to get hurt. But I think that strength training is a really great way to reduce that risk. But it doesn't completely get rid of that risk. Of course not. Brilliant. Wise words. Well, I mean, yeah, you've inspired me. I'm thinking of just cutting this interview short and going to the gym now. But um, I mean, that's me. It's such a it's something. It's funny, isn't it? I think I, we talked about this before when I was when you kindly invited me on your show. Listening for me, listening to the American accent just sells it. I'm like, she's <laughs> so inspirational, you know? Well, you know, it's funny I mean, you say that because the British accent is, is to, to at least to me as an American, I don't know what you're selling, but I'm going to buy it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's weird, so intoxicating. It? It's wonderful. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work with all Americans. I'm not quite sold on to, well, for example, Trump. He doesn't manage to sell it to me. So it can't just be the accent. It must be something else as well. But, um, but that's yeah, more but, like an ignorant New York accent. That's, that's, not a, that's not an American accent. We apologize if you're from New York and you found offense <laughs> <laughs> that comment. No, yeah. But anyway, um, no, what you're saying is you know, um, inspirational to me, but then I'm the converted. So let's have a look at potential objections, because clearly a lot of runners don't like doing strength training. Um, you go into a gym and there's not a lot of runners there. Guess what? There's an awful lot of bodybuilders and people who want to get big and massed up. There's not a lot of people who look like they're going to go out and, and run fast 5, 10K or something. So, well, let's talk about bulking up. A lot of runners are worried that um, kind of in their minds they're going to gain muscle, they're going to gain weight, so they're not, so they're not going to get as fast from A to B. What's, what have you got to say about that? 
Yeah, that's a common objection to strength training, you know, and particularly among women. I don't want to get in the weight room. I don't want to bulk up. Uh, I don't want to carry around any extra weight. It's going to make me slower. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know what else to say besides it will not happen. It absolutely is not going to happen. Uh, you can look at these biceps and and tell that they're not slowing me down because they're not very big. And I think most importantly, you know, I was talking to a couple powerlifters a few years ago, and I was telling them about this fear that runners have that if we get in the weight room, say two days a week, and we do uh, a 60 minute strength workout that they're going to put on all this muscle while they're doing all their running training on top of it. And these power lifters were laughing and they also got kind of sad. You know what they said? They said, you know, Jason, this is what we do. We work so hard to both put on weight and to get stronger. And it's so difficult. This would be like one of your runners saying, hey, look, I, I really want to go for a half an hour run twice a week, but I don't want to become a sub five minute miler. It's just, I, I don't want to do that. And, and of course that made me laugh as a running coach because it's so hard to become a good runner. You have to put in so much work. It has to be strategic. And the same is true with hypertrophy or building muscle or becoming a really, really strong power lifter. You have to be very strategic with the lifting that you're doing. And you have to be eating a ton of extra calories to fuel that muscle growth. And if if you're doing any kind of running, even if you're only running, say, 30 kilometers a week, then you're, you're just burning through too much energy to really uh, have your body focus on muscle growth. So number one, us runners, we are not going to be doing bodybuilding style workouts. We're not getting in the gym five days a week. We're not getting in there for 90 minutes or two hours. And we're not doing the kind of high volume work that results in muscle growth. And then the other side, we're probably not eating so much that we're going to be putting on a pound a week. And then, of course, um, you know, all the running that we're doing is going to counteract the, the strength and muscle growth stimulus of all that weightlifting that we're doing. So it's, it's just one of those things that uh, I think a lot of runners are fearful of it. But if you actually ask the runners who are lifting, how much weight have you put on? you know, since you started lifting, a majority will say none at all. And maybe about 10 or 20% will say I gained one, two, three pounds. But at the same time, I look a lot better. My body composition has improved. So yes, you might gain a pound or two, or maybe, um, you know, a very small amount of weight, but it's going to improve generally how you look. And, and I think that is a very fair compromise. But for the majority of runners, you're never going to put on any weight. You're just running too much and you're not lifting to put on weight in the first place. Yeah, definitely a clear message. And it, it again, it makes so much sense when I hear you saying it. And I'm sure a lot of runners will hear it, hopefully from therapists and personal trainers and other coaches. But it's just that why, isn't it? It's it's an unnecessary why. And, and in terms of performance, the evidence shows that you will actually become a better runner. Every time you drive that foot into the ground, you're going to take off further and land further away. So every single stride, you're going to have a more stride length. Um, so it's a no brainer, really. But yeah, it's tricky. And like you said, particularly female uh, runners. But then for most women, they've got it even it's even more unlikely they're going to gain huge amounts of muscle mass, isn't it? Simply yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's harder for women to gain muscle mass than men. Uh, they don't have as much testosterone. They don't have as much human growth hormone, which make putting on mass easier. So it's even more of an uphill climb uh, or an uphill run, no pun intended, for, for women. And it, it's just it's just not something that runners should be should be worrying about. We should be worrying about making smarter training decisions and lifting so that we can become better runners. That I think is a much more uh, useful uh, place for our worries. Definitely. Okay. Okay. So if we establish that, um, yeah, go down the gym. You're not going to become an Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. So you haven't got to worry about that. If anything, you're going to become a better runner. What about what type of exercises? Is it just general body exercise? Have you got any personal favorites that people should be doing for running? 
Yeah. So when it comes to the gym, if you're actually getting in the gym, you're, you're using a barbell, you're throwing some weight around, then I think the basics, the fundamental exercises work the best because we are runners. We are not lifting to gain muscle. So we're not going to do a lot of isolation exercises like bicep curls and things like that. You know, we don't have, we don't have to do that. We really need to train movements, not individual muscles. So exercises like the squat, the deadlift, the press, and, and all their variations, I think are probably three of the most valuable exercises for runners. You know, it's, um, you know, the three types of lifts, the, the hinge and the, the push and the pull. So these are really critical exercises for runners. Uh, and then, of course, within each category, there's all kinds of variations. So you can do a regular squat. You can do a sumo squat. You can do an overhead squat, a back squat, a front squat. And then using those types of exercises and, and sequencing them in, in a good way will allow runners to get a lot stronger, to gradually build complexity into their training. Um, but we don't need to worry about, you know, knowing 35 different exercises and having to do all of those every time we get in the gym. I think that's one of the big hangups a lot of runners have is because, you know, we don't necessarily like the gym. And I'll be the first one to say, I don't like going to the gym very much. I'd rather go run 10 miles than go in the gym for half an hour. It's just the way that I'm wired. But I also recognize how valuable strength training is for runners. And I think it's heartening to know that you don't have to be an expert in strength training to get in the gym and to do something that's going to be really helpful for your running. So, you know, I, I've done a lot of those like DVD workouts where, you know, in the course of a half an hour, you go through like 20 different exercises. You don't have to know that many. If you know a fundamental three to five exercises and a couple variations, you're going to be able to get very far. Yeah, great advice. Um, what about, it's interesting because I'm from a gym background, so I kind of, I, I enjoy going to the gym. I really do enjoy it. Um, but um, obviously, um, a lot of runners don't. Do you do you need the extra weight? I mean, there's an awful lot of body weight exercises out there sold on social media. And I'd question whether a lot of them are strength training exercises myself as opposed to mobility. But how far do you think you can get with just your body weight? I do think you can get pretty far with just body weight, especially because a lot of body weight exercises have so many variations that you can continue to progress and to add difficulty and complexity with bodyweight exercises. You know, a good example is the pistol squat or the one-legged squat. This is a really hard exercise to do. And, uh, you know, even people who go to the gym regularly, who would consider themselves pretty strong, might not be able to do a pistol squat. And I think that's just a good example of a bodyweight exercise uh, at the high end of difficulty and complexity that you can gradually work yourself toward. So I think the bodyweight stuff is really good for general strength, for stability. Um, and I think, you know, for ultra marathoners who aren't running really fast, but who do need a lot of stability, they could probably get away with maybe only body weight exercises. But the, the shorter the race that you're training for, the, the more you need to really worry about speed and power and that kind of strength. And that really requires different types of strength training because our goal then becomes not stability or you know general strength but force production we want to hit the ground really hard with our feet and really drive our feet into the ground and like you said matt you know we want to cover a little bit more ground with every stride that we take that is how you get faster through strength training and by lifting heavier weight in the gym that's where we're actually training force production. We're training our muscles to produce a lot of force, to recruit a lot more muscle fibers, and that's going to turn us into much faster runners. Not only because, you know, when we get tired at the end of a race or even at the end of a long run or a workout, you know, our, our muscle fibers get fatigued, obviously. And what happens is if you are really strong, you're going to be able to recruit even more muscle fibers that you might not have been able to recruit if you were only doing, you know, body weight exercises, for example. And so that's going to extend your endurance a little bit. But on the flip side of that, say you're at the end of the race and you have a quarter mile or 400 meters left in that race and you really want to kick and finish strong, you're going to be able to tap into some more of those muscle fibers and really find a new gear. You're going to be able to finish really hard and sprint 
into the end of that race. And so it's not only going to be able to extend your endurance a little bit, but it's going to give you that extra power at the end of a race to really uh, to kick hard and sprint. So I, I think the, the, Body weight exercises certainly have their place and you'd probably be hard pressed to find any elite athlete, any elite runner that doesn't do any body weight exercises. And at the same time, you'd probably be hard pressed to find an elite runner who doesn't do any weighted exercises in the gym either, uh, particularly a track athlete. So, you know, these runners are going to be doing a little bit of both. They're going to be doing the body weight stuff for almost as a cool down after their runs for added general strength and stability, but they're also going to get in the gym and they're going to squat and deadlift and press and do all kinds of exercises with weight so that when they do get on the track and they need to run really fast, they can produce a lot of force. And that's what makes a really fast runner. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't think people realize how much strength training kind of the elites actually do. Because when you put strength into YouTube, obviously you come up with the, the muscle girls and boys who are just packed already and and huge. But there doesn't seem to be enough videos out there of elites, well-known elites kind of doing strength training. Um, I don't know why that is. Maybe there's no demand for it. They're too busy, my, maybe, I don't know, sponsoring shoes and stuff. But I often wish there was more videos out there. Um, but they just don't seem yeah. to be often tap in. You know, I, I will say, Matt, that I think Instagram has started to change this dynamic a little bit where you're seeing a lot of elite runners, uh, Matt Centrowitz, the gold medal winner uh, in the 1500 of the last Olympics uh, in particular comes to mind where, you know, it's almost like it's content that's good for Instagram. And so I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing a little bit more of it. Uh, Emma Coburn, who's a steeplechaser here in the U.S., is, is also she shares a lot of strength training material on her Instagram account. And I think it's really great to see because finally at the highest levels of the sport, both men and women, we are seeing these athletes in the gym, hoisting a barbell and actually doing non-running activities. And, and I think it's very heartening for us runners to see that because, you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, the running is what makes you into a good running a runner, but all the other work, particularly the strength training really helps it all come together. That's interesting. I'll have to check out Instagram then. I must admit, whenever I put kind of strength training for runners or something like that into Instagram, I just get my feet just get filled with kind of Eastern European women and Russians who I'm not sure if they're runners. They've got incredible bodies. I'm not going to lie, but I don't know whether they're actually running or not. But so I have to kind of delete them. I keep them in there for about a week and then I delete them. But no, if you say so, then I'll be looking out for that. I often think it's something that's missing. Um, from runners they need to see the kind of heroes doing this stuff okay cool um body parts okay in terms of what to direct efforts there's an awful lot again if you look online where most um runners kind of are affected in social media um the glutes for example get a massive kind of um, um support of best exercise for your glute max your glute mead um are glutes top of the exercises for runners, would you say, or is it something else? Well, I kind of want to say yes, but I also want to say no, because yes, it is a very important muscle is arguably more important than your triceps, for example. But, you know, at the same time, we shouldn't really be isolating exercises uh, or muscle groups. We don't need to only focus on the glutes. Uh, I know the hips, the hip musculature gets a lot of extra uh, attention from runners. You know, and I do think that the hips and the glutes are probably two of the more important muscle groups to focus on as a runner, both for injury prevention reasons, because these muscles, you know, they're higher up the chain, they really control your entire stride, uh, and also for performance, you know, a lot of your power is coming from your glutes and hips. Um, and so those basic fundamental exercises that we discussed earlier, things like the deadlift and the squat, are really going to prioritize those muscle groups, while at the same time, focusing on every other muscle group too. You know, these are really full body, compound, multi-joint movements that are really fantastic for runners. Um, and so we don't necessarily have to isolate or focus exclusively on any muscle group like the glutes, but we should recognize that the glutes and the hips are probably two of the more important muscles for us to uh, make sure that we're strengthening somewhere in our training program. So yeah, like I, I don't like to, to isolate any muscles, but at the same time, they are very important. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, being the devil's advocate that I am, I often, I don't know, maybe it's confirmation bias, but I think I see it sometimes, especially in distance running, because it's the old thing. If you look at a 
sprinter for example take it to the other extreme who really aren't runners they're sprinters in, in my vocabulary massive glutes okay they're kind of walking gluteus maximuses aren't they but then when you go to look at kind of like a distance runner mid to definitely marathon runner they're kind of all hamstrings aren't they and they've got like a tiny little tuchus so it's kind of like i think the shape of the runner kind of i can't believe i just said tuchus on air so i don't even know why that might, it came into my mind do you know what a tuchus <laughs> is a tuchus yeah. yeah isn't that your your butt yeah, I know. I don't know where the word came from. I must have seen it in some kind of, I don't know what it was. But anyway. I said Fanny the other day, and I was like, I don't think I've oh, ever no. said that word. I think I sound like my grandmother. Yeah, you can't <laughs> say that in the UK. That's a totally different part of the body in the UK. Okay. No one in the UK wears fanny packs. just doesn't happen. Okay. Um, but yeah, you look at runners, you can almost see from them where, where the muscles that are being used. So I think hamstrings often harp on about it, but I don't think hamstrings get enough attention i think they get eclipsed a bit by the glutes particularly in kind of mid to definitely long distance runners yeah, yeah I, I might agree with you there too um i i think particularly the posterior chain so all the muscles on the back of your body the glutes and the hamstrings and the calves are really important for runners um and and hamstrings too i think are critical because they're one of the muscles that um gets detrained by our modern lifestyle. So when we're sitting down for nine hours a day, uh, the hamstrings are one of those muscles that are really feel the brunt of that. You know, they're, they're sitting in a shortened position for, for most of that time. And what we're doing is training them to be in a shortened position um, just because of the position we're putting them in for a majority of the day. And so if we, you know, work a desk job and then we come home and sit down to eat dinner and then we sit down in front of the TV in the evening for an hour or two, that that's a lot of sitting time that our body will remember, you know, it remembers the positions we put it ourselves in. And so, yeah, I think the posterior muscles, the glute, the hamstrings are all really important. Um, and one of the reasons why I love deadlifts so much as an exercise for runners, because it does target the, the hamstrings so much. Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. But like you say, it's, uh, it, 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 it's, making sure you don't forget any of the muscles and also depending on the athlete as well. You might have someone who's naturally very strong and kind of like proximally in the glutes and have nothing in their calves. So they might have to concentrate on depending on, you know, who's in front of you. What, um, I, I don't know if you've seen Lisa Chavez. She's called you a legend, by the way. I don't know if that makes you feel a bit old. Can you see the comments I, on the screen? I did see that. Thank you so much, Lisa, <laughs> to distract me just a moment from with my, uh, with my answer there, but I appreciate that. Lisa's, um, a, uh, well, she's recently turned her attention to ultra running um um how can i say she's not oh, don't offend her now. you don't talk about women's age but she's a great example of um a female athlete who later in their life like kind of past their 20s has suddenly realized the power they've got for things like ultra running um she was blown away by we had elizabeth barnes of marathon de sable and um uh, and various other races of fame um on the podcast as well and we were talking about how kind of particularly women 30 plus have got this strength probably mental more than anything this endurance to be able to run 100k plus and they're and all over the world they're showing themselves that, you know particularly in the case of elizabeth they're kind of she will come third out of the whole pack you know she'll be chasing the front two guys you know um so yeah lisa's a good example of, of a, a woman who definitely is one for a strength training um i saw your biceps and i wouldn't want to yeah don't ever hold your bicep up against lisa but um yeah <laughs> my wife's biceps are uh are, are bigger than mine too she's uh she's gotten into climbing in the last couple months so she's oh, doing really? a lot of bouldering and uh, yeah. yeah she's much stronger than me now <laughs> a lot of people are this bulging is becoming so popular isn't it it really is yeah i think um, it is uh for some reason i mean it's the the pop-up of bouldering gyms at least here in denver uh there's quite a few of them now um a new one just opened up near us and it's it's i think it's great um i've gone just myself just for fun and it's it's really humbling because as a distance runner you're reminded that your little t-rex arms are just not up to the task <laughs> but uh I, I i like being humbled every once in a while See, I've got the opposite thing. For me, I have to be careful because I'm 6'6", six, six, okay? So I remember when I was in, I lived in Spain for a few years and I could never go near a basketball court because I'd be the kind of guy on the side. He'd be going, we want him and his team. Come over here, you, come and join us. And I'd be going in poor, very poor Spanish, que no, que no, que no puedo, que no puedo. They go, no, you're so tall. And then they'd get <laughs> me on their side. And, you know, I mean, I would make that film, White Men Can't Jump, just 
I just can't jump, you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and they're like, surely. But the same thing, I'm worried about bouldering. They'll think, oh, wow, he's six foot six. He'll be able to reach, you know, everything will suddenly be within his grasp. So I've maybe got the opposite to you. I'm not so much a T-Rex. I'm more, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a dinosaur with long arms. Maybe a brontosaurus kind of complex or something. But um, yeah, I don't yeah. think a brontosaurus has any arms. They have four legs. Oh, we're not going to get into that debate. What would they scratch their nose with? Uh, against a tree? That's a good question. <laughs> we, should, anyway. we should not have a podcast about dinosaurs. <laughs> no, right? no. I don't think we're going to teach the world much. No. Only Adam Meekins can talk about dinosaurs, but that's a whole different <laughs> catalog of information. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, bouldering. Um, that's another thing. Cross-training, isn't it? You don't have to only get strong by going to the gym and doing weights. You can get definitely not... 100% run specific but does cross training get recommended a lot on your website and if so what uh, type of cross training yeah i'm i'm actually a bigger believer in cross training than probably a lot of runners and other coaches um cuz i think it is one of those extremely low risk kinds of activities that can have a potentially high reward so in in my mind that that's a big that's a big win um anything that you can add to your training that has potential to really improve your performance and make you into a better athlete but at the same time has very few injury risks uh i, I think it's a great thing to add so you know I actually don't think strength training is really cross training for runners. Um, you know, cross training is kind of something that you add onto your training for supplemental benefits. Um, but, you know, we were talking about elite runners earlier. No elite runner is not doing any kind of strength training. And so to me, that means it's not cross training in the same way that it's just a different element of the training that you're supposed to be doing. You know, you got to do a long run. You have to do some faster workouts. You're going to need a recovery run or two throughout the week. You have to do drills and a dynamic warm up before you start running. You have to do your strength training too. None of this is cross training. It's just the training we have to be doing. But so when I say cross training, I really mean aerobic cross training, you know, things like uh, pool running or cycling or the elliptical, things like that. Um, things that could in a pinch if you're injured or you know if you can't get outside you don't have a treadmill things that could be used in place of running uh of course they're not exactly the same but they're aerobic uh forms of exercise that can give you similar general endurance benefits so you know i really like um you know if, you, if you're a runner who's capable of running say you know 60 80 kilometers in a week but you find that after that, your body really starts breaking down and you simply can't run a higher amount of volume without getting injured. You're the perfect candidate for adding in a lot of cross training. You know, you can add in two or three hours on the bike uh, or in the pool doing some pool running and you're going to notice the results. You're going to become a better runner, a faster runner with more endurance just by doing all that extra work. Um, you know, my college coach used to kind of give a rough approximation of about 15 minutes of cross training would be like doing a mile of running outside on the road at an easy effort. So, you know, of course, there's a lot of room for interpretation and, and what is equivalent and what's not. But his general rule here is that if you can do a lot of cross training, it's kind of like doing a lot of easy running. And so that kind of adds onto your base. And I've used this strategy very successfully with a lot of other runners. I've, you know, kind of used it in my own base training before a cross country season in college where, you know, I realized our team was getting so competitive and I probably wasn't even going to make varsity the next year. And so in addition to running about 85 miles a week, I was doing about four hours of pool running and cycling per week on top of that. And I came into the season just an animal. You know, I was uh, I was in the best shape of my life and it allowed me to actually make that varsity team that year by, you know, the 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 skin on my teeth there. I just made it. And I don't think I would have been able to do it if I hadn't spent all that time in the pool and in the bike. So it's really great, I think, for boosting general fitness. Um, but if you just do a, a 30 minute really easy swim or pool run, that can be really helpful for recovery too. doing that the day after a long run is probably better than just sitting on your butt on the couch all day. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I come across a lot of runners who who see their running improve a lot by getting a bike. They might not enjoy cycling much at all, but by suddenly starting cycling to work, for example, and they just see the knock-on effects to their, their running, you know, come very, very quickly. So 
Yes, I think those transfer pretty well to to running. And uh, that's the thing about cross training. Runners just don't like it. We don't like to cross train. Most of us don't like to get in the weight room and do any kind of strength training. Um, And it's a shame because both of them are, I think, very helpful for improving our performances. If you're a runner who doesn't do any cross training, you don't do any weightlifting, you know, dedicate yourself to doing an extra hour a week of cross training and getting in the gym. And in six months from now, I can almost guarantee that you're going to be a better runner. Mm. Sound advice. You've heard it from the man himself, MrStrengthRunning.com. So yeah, do it. Um, It's also useful, I think, speaking as a therapist, when people are suffering injury and maybe they have to run less or they're not getting that same. We keep runners running as much as possible. Just if we can, we might kind of just... um, uh, dilute the intensity or the frequency but often you need you need to get that buzz from somewhere else so it's not just saying go and do some cycling or go and do some swimming and i think often it's good advice from a therapist to actually say go and do some intervals in the pool or go and do kind of like a tempo workout or challenge yourself in the same way as you would do if you were going out for runs you get that thrill that buzz that sense of accomplishment and that can yeah. often turn cross training into a bit more exciting a bit more okay i'm actually getting something from this yeah, yeah. And that that does not only make it more exciting, and I, and I think the perspective on giving runners an outlet for their competitive instincts when they're hurt, and they can't go run that workout or do that long run. I think that is a very valuable thing to have, you know, be able to get in the pool or get on the bike and approximate the workout you are going to do on land on that form of cross training. I think that's really helpful mentally to keep runners from, you know, almost getting depressed. You know, I'm losing all my fitness. I'm, I I worked so hard for this and now I'm just watching it disappear. That is really helpful. And you're right that I think if you are injured, but you can get on the bike and you can do some pool running, let's approximate the workouts that you had planned for the week and, you know, do a similar type of workout on the bike or in the pool. And that's going to keep your fitness as high as it possibly can be. Um, you know, I, I had an experience with this myself, uh, indoor track, my senior year, I was hurt for, I think about eight or nine days. And I spent almost two hours in the pool every day doing workouts and, and, you know, the equivalent of long runs. And, uh, I came back after that eight weeks and within a couple of weeks, you know, I, I really didn't lose any fitness and I ended up running a couple of personal bests that, that season. And normally in like a six week season, if you miss eight, eight days, that's a big chunk of your season. And uh, so I have pool running to thank for that. So it, it's, it's definitely helpful. That's great. That's very interesting. Yeah. And the, and the mental part that you mentioned, it's, I think sometimes runners keep themselves from recovering by kind of moping and feeling sorry for themselves. And I'm not having a go at runners, but I know how depressing it can be when you can't get out. But to a certain extent that, that, I mean, even the evidence kind of shows that if you're just reducing your capacity to self-repair by getting depressed, by being negative, you're going to slow down your tissue recovery as well. You're going to slow down system recovery. So yeah, it's wise advice. Um, Get the endorphins some other way and that will speed up your, your running related injury. Great stuff. Okay, let's get a little bit more specific then in terms of strength training. What about, I mean, some runners might not be aware, some might be, but the different parts of strength training. So for example, for anyone who's not aware, if I'm doing a bicep curl, I've got the concentric part where my muscle's getting shorter. It's not the best example for a runner, but I'm not going to get my legs out on cam. But yeah, concentric part. Um, You've got the eccentric part where you're slowly controlling the weight as it goes down. Um, and then you've got an isometric part where you're holding a weight kind of still. So you could do that on a hamstring. Um, what do you think? Is Do you not have to worry about it? Or in terms of strength training for runners, should you be concentrating on all of them or some more than the other? Or what would you say? Uh, I think they all have their place in a good strength training program for runners. Um, You know, a lot of the body weight exercises might be more isometric in nature. You know, uh, plank, for example, you're you're just holding a pose, you're under stress, your muscles are under tension, while you're you're not moving at all. Uh, You know, and then there's exercises like the deadlift or the squat, which include both a concentric and an eccentric uh, movement. And so, you know, there's definitely a place for for all of these. Um, And and I think, you know, it really kind of um, uh, runners just have to make sure that whatever kind of strength training that they're doing, uh, they shouldn't 
totally disregard one type of movement uh, and and overly focus on another type of movement. So, you know, if we're only doing isometric kinds of strength training, you know, we're leaving a lot of speed and strength and power on the table. Um, so they, they, they should all be included. Um, but this is almost one of those things where I almost don't want runners to worry about this. I just want you to follow a program where it's taken care of for you. You know, it's almost like with running form, you should not be thinking of the stretch shortening reflex, you know, when you're in mile four of a 10k. It should just be out of your head. You should be focusing on performance. Um, and so the same thing is true with strength training. We shouldn't be actively worrying about the minutia of training while we're going through it. You know, leave that to your coach or to your therapist, someone who can really, um, you know, plan this out for you and make sure that you're hitting all the right systems and getting in all the right movements and types of muscle contractions. Uh, but I think they're all important and, and they're all important for different reasons. You know, I think anyone who's run a very, uh, hilly course with a lot of hard downhills knows how damaging those eccentric muscle contractions can be. You know, all the soreness that you feel from those hilly races is because your muscles are lengthening while under load. That's that eccentric contraction. And so you can um, train yourself for those hilly races, you know, if you're, especially if you're training for a, a net downhill race by doing a little bit more eccentric work in the gym, but also by practicing some downhill running and some faster downhill running um, in very strategic ways. You don't wanna just go run you know, 20 kilometers as hard as you can downhill, um, but that is really sports specific strength training in a way that is going to elicit adaptations in your body that prevent you from getting so uh, fatigued and from getting all that soreness from a similar stimulus in the future. So there's a room for for the the sports specific strength training uh particularly when it comes to some races like downhill races um but we should be including i think everything in our strength programming that's excellent i think you've answered my next three questions just in that one <laughs> sentence which is an art yeah i mean it's it's great because um yeah you've mentioned for, for example you can naturally work these three different types particularly the you can work the eccentrics by adding kind of uphill and downhill runs and and yeah for the healthy runner it's important that they don't overanalyze what they're doing at the time and think about it that's why you know they just got to follow their program um i think again for me and it shows in me asking you these questions the bias is more for when a runner is injured and they're being given exercises to do so if you have had an injury i mean most running injuries occur in the eccentric phase so when you haven't had like you said that control to lengthen the muscle, for example, in the hamstring, um, which means if you're doing your homework and you've been giving a, a strength exercise, then you do generally have to accentuate that eccentric phase where the leg's straightening and not just kind of hook that heel up towards your bum and then let it fall. But um, obviously when it comes to strength training, there's going to be a big difference, isn't there, between when a runner's actually injured and having rehab and to when they're well and, uh, and are looking at improving their performance. Which makes You're me right. want to ask you about um, plyometrics. That gets quite a good um, kind of mention um, in terms of it's kind of the closest we can get to actually running. Um, do you kind of promote much plyometrics on the website? So yes and no. Uh, I think plyometrics can be really helpful. Uh, I think they are um, an integral part of a good strength training program because they, they they help tie things together in a, in a more running specific way. Uh, with that said, they have a much higher risk of injury just because of what they are. They are a very explosive um, plyometric movement, these plyometrics. And, and what that is, is you are generating a lot of force very quickly. It is almost like a power movement. And so exercises like uh, box jumps, either jumping up from a box or jumping down from a box with a little hop, um, all kinds of different forms of hops and jumps are plyometrics and they're they're helpful for improving the um the the power and responsiveness of your muscles and connective tissues um, but because of that they also have a high risk of injury and so if you're not doing them properly or if you're doing too many of them i see this much more common in that um, you know their runner's form might be pretty good on a plyometric movement but you know they're doing 20 reps or or you know a very high volume of plyometrics uh and and that's where we run into problems because plyometrics have to be done with virtually perfect form or you're you're just asking for an injury you know it's like trying to do an olympic weightlifting movement with heavy weight 
with really poor form. Like you, you're almost going to get hurt right away. It's it's so a really high risk. A bit, a bit like cross train. A bit like uh, CrossFit. You mean? Yes, exactly. And <laughs> and maybe we can maybe we can all make fun of CrossFit together. I have very strong feelings against CrossFit and all these AMRAP workouts where you're you're really just asking yourself to to get a very serious injury. Um, but yeah, the the plyometrics are similar in that you have to keep the volume low. You cannot do, you know, high numbers of plyometrics. Uh, and they should come when either you're relatively well rested uh, or, you know, you're not, you're just, you just can't be so fatigued that your form is going to suffer. Um, the other thing about plyometrics too, is that I don't think you should be doing them year round. I think plyometrics are something that should come almost in the competition phase of training or in the peaking phase of training where you're trying to optimize speed in your performance. So if you are, you know, six months out from a goal marathon, it's not the time to be doing plyometrics. You need to be building your base and kind of focusing on other things. Um, so plyometrics need to be periodized appropriately and placed within the training program in the right way. Uh, you need to keep the volume pretty low and you also need to make sure that you're not uh, doing them improperly. So for those reasons, I don't actually promote them too much. You know, I, if you search strength running, you're not going to find a single article podcast episode or video exclusively about plyometrics. Uh, you'll probably see them mentioned here and there in some articles. Uh, we include them in one of our strength programs, but that's because I worked with uh, USA Weightlifting National Coach to create that programming. And I let him kind of worry about uh, the real specifics of the programming and how to insert them into a strength uh, workout program because I understand how risky it is. And I understand that runners have to do it very strategically. So, you know, I, you know, this is where I'm kind of in the middle. It's so helpful and uh, it's great, but you have to do it properly. And there's so many risks and it's so easy to do them improperly that I almost don't recommend them too often. Yeah. Again, no, um, you've raised some fantastically valuable points in there. Um, it's like, there's no such thing as a bad exercise, but you can do the wrong exercise at the wrong time, which is kind of, in essence, what you've said. Um, and that's the danger, isn't it? People think, I'm going to do some plyometrics now, and they'll end up doing it for either too often or at the wrong time of the season. Or, in fact, a lot of runners, as we know, haven't even got a season. They'll just kind of spontaneously do whatever they've read or they fancy doing. So, yeah, dosage is a very important thing, when to do the exercise, how much. I guess that's where the professionals need to come, isn't it? That's why they go to people like yourself and to strengthrunning.com. So that it's not just the case of I'm going to do some plyometrics. It's working out, okay, here's my races. Here are my goals. Here's my history. Here's my injury history. How much of this do I do? When do I do it? Right. It's all programming, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I think about plyometrics the same way I think about a 22-mile long run with the last 12 miles at goal marathon pace. That's mm. a great workout. It's also a very advanced workout. And only pretty advanced runners should be attempting it. You know, there's so many runners that I know that were excellent college runners, you know, they went to university and they were, um, you know, New England champions in the 10 K, uh, top 10 in the steeplechase in New England, you know, good runners, very competitive who have never done plyometrics after they graduated from college because they didn't have a coach to show them. And we have to think about plyos as kind of like the, the 1% of activities that we can add on to our training to optimize our training, to get a little bit extra from ourselves on race day. But the bulk of our improvement, the bulk of our performance is going to be, you know, through our running training and through more fundamental types of weightlifting activities. You know, if you're, if you're not going, getting in the gym and, you know, doing some normal weightlifting and you're not doing faster workouts and you're not having, in other words, a relatively more advanced structured running program, you probably are not the right person for plyometrics because it's, it's almost like the finishing touch. You know, if you want to write on a cake, you need the cake first and you need the icing as the foundation. You can't just have the writing. That's good. I made that up right there. Was that, was well, that a good tell analogy there now? You were saying it. I could see you thinking, this is going to really work, this metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> so just say that again for those who weren't following. You can't have the writing on the cake until you build the cake first. Okay. Yeah, there you go. I mean, you can't write on really. just frosting. You have to have yeah. the foundation first. Sound advice. Very good. No, I like that a lot. Um, 
Okay, um, I've got a couple of other things. I'm conscious of the time. We could talk forever, as always. But one thing I wanted to ask you about, because of your experience of working with so many athletes, um, what about when it comes to male and female athletes? So we've mentioned that potentially some women are going to find it uh, or that they're going to be less keen on the idea of doing strength training. You persuade them they need to. Is there different exercises or different areas they should be focusing on, or does it, again, depend on the athlete? You know, I really don't like to differentiate too much between male and female runners when it comes to strength training, uh, because, you know, our anatomy when it comes to running is, is the same, you know, we have the same major muscle groups that are propelling us forward. And so we need to train those muscle groups route pretty much the same. Um, the, the difference I think is with some men who put on muscle very easily. And it's these men that maybe have to not lift as much uh, heavy weight in the gym, or they just need to be a little bit more careful with putting on a lot of weight. You know, I remember listening to a great interview with uh, Alan Webb, who is the US record holder in the mile. And he is someone who he's just, he puts on muscle, you know, he, he spends 20 minutes in the gym and he comes out five pounds heavier with all this muscle. It's like the opposite problem that I have. I'm a little jealous admittedly, but um, you know, that kind of an athlete should be a little bit careful because you don't want to put on 15 pounds of weight. And there are some men who just easily put on muscle. Uh, and so I think those are, that's like the subgroup that should be a little bit more careful with weightlifting. But in terms of different exercises for men or women, uh, I really don't think so unless there's some existing pathology or injury or, or uh, history of injuries that is due to, you know, something like, uh, I know the hip structure in women is different than in men. And so they might be more predisposed to certain injuries. And unless there's a history there, I, I really don't like to differentiate because I simply don't think it's necessary. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'd, yeah, I'd agree with you on many levels. Um, again, I think it depends, well, what you've said, it depends, unless there's a pathology going on, unless they're running into complications. I mean, yes, women and men have obviously got um, variations, particularly in the lumbar pelvic hip complex and stuff. But again, that's why women will tend to run in different ways. It doesn't mean you're going to get injured. We all run differently anyway. So, yeah, once again, it depends on the athlete in front of you, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, you mentioned you were showing your bias as a therapist. I'm probably showing my bias as a coach. I don't think there's much difference. If the difference surfaces, it's probably some sort of pathology. Then I will refer the person to someone like you who has the background to really dig into what's going on and prescribe a treatment to help them with their injury. Um, mm -hmm. but, but from a training perspective, rather than an injury treatment perspective, no, I don't think we should differentiate too strongly. Do you work with many young athletes? Uh, no, I try not to. I, I, I try to encourage young athletes to get involved in the sport at their school. So, you know, if they're in high school or if they're at university, you know, join the team, whether that's the varsity team, or even if there's a club team, I think that's one of the best ways to get involved with the sport and to stay motivated and really develop a lifelong passion for running. And so I, I try to get runners to do that when they're younger. There was only asked, cause there always seems to be debate over kind of what age you should encourage young runners to actually get involved with strength training and they're you know, in the past, they said, oh, no, don't get them involved too early because it'll stop them from growing and it'll ruin their bone formation. And then that was kind of thrown out the window and said, get them involved when they are young, because that's exactly when they need to improve their particularly coordination and communication. Um, but have yeah, you I've got seen that experience too. or? I think I've seen the same uh, studies or, or new thinking along these these lines for this topic uh, that you know, strength training isn't going to stunt your growth. I, I think that wasn't really based on much science yeah. to begin with back in the day. Um, and now we're learning that, you know, it's it's great. Kids getting stronger. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I think what's wrong with kids training is that they get burned out too easily. Um, you know, they really shouldn't be training. They should be, they should be having fun, you know, unless you are starting to be in high school, you know, a teenager, you know, all your exercise should be mostly play, mostly fun. And so we run the risk of just wearing kids down with excessive training when they're, you know, say 11 years old, you know, so if they're having fun with weightlifting, just like if they're having fun with running, then I think it's fine for them to continue doing whatever they're doing. 
Uh, and then with that said, let's keep it pretty easy. You know, I don't think an 11 year old should be, uh, running a marathon, just like, I don't think an 11 year old should be, um, you know, doing really hard weightlifting exercises and, and workouts in the gym. We should keep everything relatively easy. Yeah, no sound advice. Very good. No, I like that a lot. Um, well, look, it's what, five or well, five thirty. my end already. That was a quick hour. I always go so fast these, but, um, I thank you so much for um, for giving us all that. This, I'm, I'm looking forward to making the show notes on these. I'm trying to make show notes so people get an idea of the topics and they can click straight to do. There's so much in there, so I'm looking forward to listing them. What's um, the current and the future for strengthrunning.com and for you? What's coming? Well, up? well, that's that's the big question, or isn't it? Um, current for strength running, um, I am really still talking a lot about strength training. You know, I think there's. Uh, there's a big place for it in the running community. And I really do feel like the tide has started to turn a little bit. And now a lot of runners are starting to recognize that strength training is not only something that they should be doing, but something that is really going to help their running. And it's going to make them into a more holistic, complete, well-rounded, comprehensive type of athlete. And that's definitely going to make them into a better runner. Um, and in the future, you know, the things that I'm really focusing on with strength, uh, strength running right now are, uh, our podcast. So the strength running podcast, uh, we just hit a hundred episodes. You were saying how episode 28 feels a little surreal. Wait till you get to a hundred. It feels even more surreal. Um, we've hit a million downloads, which, which is kind of blows my mind. I'm really uh, proud and excited for that. So focusing on the podcast definitely for 2019 and on into 2020. Um, also a lot more video. I'm excited to do more video. Um, just, I think the visual is so powerful for runners and it's just a new way to learn. So video and podcast is what I'm focusing on now and into the future. And for me personally, I've actually started training a little bit more than I have in the last couple of years. Um, I have three kids, so it's a little bit hard for me to run the 80 plus miles a week like I used to, but starting to run a little bit more. I ran a trail race last month and I may actually do an obstacle course race. Um, so I need to make sure I'm doing my strength training uh, in a couple months. So very exciting. That's interesting. I mean, how is that for you? Because you're, I mean, you're, you're somebody who's used to coming first in quite a few events, which they've gone into. For all I know, you're still coming first, but I mean, is it difficult not to push yourself too much or to have too high expectations or? It's definitely different and frustrating to say, for example, race a 5k and race it at my previous marathon pace. Um, but you know, I have to recognize that I just have different priorities now. You know, my kids are six, four and almost two, and they take up an enormous amount of my time. But at the same time, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I, my kids are great. And, um, I honestly get more excited when my athletes email me about an awesome PR that they've had or, you know, some other great achievement that they've had in their running, I get just as excited about that, if not more excited than about my own running. And so, you know, I look back at the, the PRs that I've run uh, when I was 22, 24 years old. And now that I'm 35, I'm probably not going to touch those, but I can love running for different reasons. You know, the, the 12 mile trail race that I did last month, um, I ended up getting second but then I was DQ'd because I ended up skipping part of the course. But I have to recognize that, you know, now that I'm older, I don't care. Like it was a mistake. I made a, I made a silly mistake. I cut off, you know, six tenths of a mile on this little switchback and I still had a great time out there. And so for me, I'm just much more interested in running fun races where I can experience pushing my body. And I think that's what every runner loves. You know, I just want to push myself, have fun, run some cool races and enjoy running for what it is. That's, that's very wise advice. It's the wisdom that comes with age. And I think it's interesting because I'm kind of getting that I never ran as fast as you or near to you, but I, I love the way you say I'm running my kind of 5k now at my old marathon pace. It's like, that's a great analogy <laughs> as well. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but then again, like you said, runs are totally different. I think we get much more fun out of runs now than in the past, maybe where it was just all about focusing and thinking about the time and thinking about winning. And now you, I think maybe it comes with parenthood. You just kind of end up looking out a bit more, looking what's around you and enjoying it, which before was a bit of a mystery when I heard runners going, oh yeah, but I take everything in and it's relaxing. I'm thinking, really? But surely you just... But your pace will suffer if you take everything in. Exactly. Right? And what? Yeah, exactly. 
pace goes out the window when you have kids it's just about yeah lasting and then i moved to denver where we're at uh 52 80 altitude and you see your pace go out the window from that too so it's been very humbling the last couple of years yeah, for sure yeah. right well look well thank you so much for your time um we've got to try and get you over have you been to the uk before to talk at all or present i have never been to the uk it is okay, it's right. on my bucket list for sure well, we'll uh, try. If this year's conference is successful, then we'll try and uh, I'll start saving up to get you over as well for next year. So um, just put October aside for me and we'll sort something out. It'd be really Sounds great, man. Life. OK, dude, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you back down to the, uh, the little lobby for a while and I'll come back in a couple of minutes to say goodbye officially. Um, so we're going to say goodbye to you now. Thank you very much, um, Jason Fitzgerald. Um, if people want to contact you via the website, what are you most active on these days? Is it Twitter or Facebook or um, yeah, I mean, strengthrunning.com is my home base. That's where kind of all of our podcast, video, blog posts are. are that's where they live. Um, but if you want to get in touch with me, support at strengthrunning.com is my email address. I answer every email I get. Um, and then I am Jason Fitz one on both Twitter and Instagram. Feel free to connect with me there. Send me any questions you have. I'm always happy to help. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure that those uh, those links go into the notes. Jason, thank you very much once again, and I'll speak to you in a couple of minutes. Thank you. Right. Whoa, that was good, wasn't it? Hey, good hour. Um, and thank you so much for people joining us. Um, I think that's a record for reactions. So Jason's really stirred the pot with that one. Um, I've never seen so many thumbs up and hearts. Um, so thank you very much for joining us live. It's great when you can join us live because it's just um, they can see the comments and they can see the stuff coming up. So it kind of makes me feel better. Um, so thanks for those of you who joined us live. Obviously, this will come out as a podcast, as always, on Spotify and on Stitcher and Pocket Casts and Podbean and Buzzsprout and all of those sites uh, within the next few days. Um, right. What do we got next week? This is why I've got to remind myself because I never one thing I never do is check who's coming up next week. We got Dr. Richard Willey um, again from um, from the other side of the pond. Yeah. Rich Willey, um, esteemed running specialist. Um, researcher yeah he's gonna be joining us um on sunday as well i'm not sure the time uh keep an eye on facebook and on instagram and we'll give the time for that but that'll be uh, next sunday uh with uh rich willie um talking to him live um thank you again to um uh, i guess jason fitzgerald thank you to the brighton beard company for sponsoring us and um, check out details for the conference rcl international running conference october 30 31st tickets are still available for it um, as I always say, if you're a runner um, who hasn't got much money, um, if you've got a good story, then send it to me. I, I really want to give out discounts, okay, if I can, if I feel that you deserve it some way. Definitely. I mean, I had someone the other day. I'm a single mother working for the NHS, and I just – tears were coming out of my eyes. And I was like, okay, there you go. Have a 20% discount. Um, I want to make it accessible to people. Obviously, I'm flying people in from Australia, from the States, from Canada, all over the place. So I've got to charge something. I only want to break even. But if you're in a particular situation and you need some help, then email me, madatrunchatlive.com, especially if there's a group of you. Um, I want to help as many people as possible come over to Brighton in October. So there we go. Right. Um, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, we'll see you next Sunday with uh, Rich Willie. Adios. You're listening to Run Chat Live podcast, putting the evidence back into running injury and performance.